Hi, I'm Pete Seligman, and this is season four of my podcast, The Next Step. This year, we hosted the first ETA forum at Manly Beach in Sydney, Australia. So in this season of the podcast, I'll be sharing with you the audio from each session of the forum. At the beginning of each episode, I'll provide an intro to the speakers, and then at the end, I'll share with you the key messages and insights that I took from each presentation. If you were there on the day, these episodes will provide a good opportunity to reflect on your learning. If you weren't able to join us this time, even though you missed the networking, these episodes are a good summary of the content shared at the event. I hope you enjoy them. Part of the reason that we actually like supporting entrepreneurs to be the first or among the first into a market is because it's very, very hard to do that. And the type of person that is able to and has the appetite to fits the search profile very well. They're very maverick, very entrepreneurial, very creative, have great local networks. They got to build the search templates essentially by scratch, build their network from scratch, understand who the right lawyers are and banks are. So we see that the person capable of doing that is also capable of being quite a tremendous searcher. When I was pulling together the agenda for the ETA forum and I was trying to make sure I had a good balance of content and presenters involved, one person that came to mind very early for me was Andrew Locke. He's one of the founders of Ambit Partners from South Africa, global investors, experienced investors in search. And Andrew himself is a very considered thinker and a very detailed thinker. And I was keen to get his insight into what search is like as an asset class for investors to demonstrate the fact that there is a real depth of analysis that's gone into search over the decades that it's been involved you know across the globe and what that yields is a really interesting perspective on search as an asset class that fits really well within a broad portfolio whether that be from a private investment from a fund investment or family office perspective So in this presentation, he walks through his perspective on how search as an asset for an investor fits within a broader portfolio and how you might compare and contrast a search fund investment against your other potential investments for your funds. I'll leave you with Andrew and I'll come back at the end with a few of my thoughts. My name is Andrew. I'm with Ambit Partners. We're an investor in search funds. And the session we're talking about today is kind of why invest or what causes returns and how do we hold them up. When Pete asked me to do a, a breakout session, I, I envisioned a little more intimate setting than mic'd up on a platform. So my presentation is actually quite short, uh, and then I was hoping to open it up and we could have more of a discussion as opposed to kind of a lecture around, around search, since most people here are quite well aware of the structure and, and how it works and why it works. So Ambit, we, we invest in search all over the world. So I, I flew in from Cape Town uh, to be here this, this weekend. Uh, we have 40 search fund investments. We're in 22 countries around the world. We have a particular interest in, in new markets. Um, so of those 40 or so, about nine are the first search funds to be raised in a given country. So we backed Luke, for example, in, in New Zealand. We have others in Australia. This includes Vietnam, South Korea, Paraguay, other countries around the world, um, including established markets, also in the US, uh, Western Europe. So um, in our discussion, happy to speak about kind of what that larger aperture shows in, in, in relation to uh, the opportunity here uh, in Australia. So what we'll cover first, you know, some of this will be uh, or has been, been covered um, in other sessions, but first kind of how search funds fit in the wider private equity VC landscape, um, the pairing that they provide between kind of a downside PE profile and, and VC upside. Um, how they performed historically, how these compare to uh, other asset classes, 
Um, and then I think the most important piece of this is what it is about the structure of search that enables those returns. Um, I think especially now that the search is growing in popularity, there's a real attention to IRRs and we want to make sure that we stay focused on what brought those IRRs in the first place over the last, last uh, 20, 30 years, particularly on the importance of investor involvement, um, which is the, the side that we bring um, and how these incentives and players balance across the, the relationships in search. And then finally, kind of ways of getting exposure to search, how people invest, um, and the relative advantages and, and disadvantages. So I think that'll go pretty quick, and then we can open it up and, and, and talk through anything that's particularly interesting for people. So first, I just want to lay out kind of the, the VCPE landscape there. So on the vertical axis, so the size of the deal, and on the horizontal, uh, the stage of the business. Um, so across the left, that, that, that's kind of VC exposure. You can cut large checks, but these are all less mature, less stable businesses. On the right-hand side, you know, traditional PE. So we see search funds as filling this um, kind of missing segment of the investment landscape for, for smaller businesses that have the maturity and the stability um, of traditional private equity. So what we see because of this is that the, the downside risk of search uh, has that, that PE profile. So the, the chance of investment going to zero is very low. Um, but it preserves a lot of the VC upside uh, investment. So when we look for businesses, we want to see companies that are post-concept risk. So they've kind of missed that concept chasm. Um, so they have found product market fit um, they've, uh, and are kind of on their way to scale. Um, so you can invest at a stage where that upside is still available without as much risk as you would get in traditional venture capital. So I think we've seen a similar slide like this in other presentations, but just the performance in search. Um, for those of you familiar, this is an aggregated data set of Stanford uh, research in North America and uh, IESE's research around the world. So on the left there, that's the buckets of outcomes, um, how to interpret that. So of all the search funds raised, about two-thirds will find an acquisition, and one-third will fail to find an acquisition and close after their search capital. Um, I think, as others have probably mentioned, that we don't see that as a, as, as a failure in the sense it's far better to do no deal than to do the wrong deal. Um, but of, of search funds, two-thirds find acquisitions. Of those, over three-quarters have a financial gain, so have at least one times money in return, um, whereas a little under 25% have either partial or total loss. So relative to other types of investment, that's a very high hit rate, so a lot of success there. Um, and then importantly, within those that gain, a lot do extremely well. So we have almost 10% that do above 10 times money um, and, and over 30% that do better than five times. <clears throat> As this compares to other types of um, investment, the mean search fund performance is significantly higher than even top decile PE returns in, in the US. So uh, you know, an extremely productive asset um, class and that's held constant for, for 30 years. In fact, the most recent Stanford data showed a slight uptick uh, in performance on search funds, uh, which you know, we think is because the, the definition of a good asset has become more firm. So we know what we're looking for, we're investing better, we're advising searchers better. Um, and as we get better assets, the, the IRRs are actually creeping up, even though you'd expect them to actually fall to sort of um, mean returns across alternative assets. So overall, there's about two times the returns of, of uh, PEVC at substantially lower risk. Far fewer businesses fail. There's uh, far less volatility inside of portfolios. So it's quite a compelling uh, investment. 
Now, I think the content of this slide is what I see as the most important is essentially why these returns happen and how do we maintain them. We see this as the intersection you know, of those three attributes, the searcher, the business, and capital. We add a fourth, which is the kind of pattern recognition that capital can provide. That's sort of the subset to, um, to the, uh, you know, the capital provider, the investor. That's actually the story of our logo. So the AMBIT logo is, is in the intersection of those three categories. Um, so the, what I want to linger on here um, is one, what attracts top principles. So there's tremendous value creation opportunity for, for kind of top business graduates and entrepreneurs. Um, mean return for searchers is about seven and a half million US dollars in equity um, and about a quarter million a year in uh, CEO compensation. So it's an extremely attractive path um, uh, for, for entrepreneurs. Investors, so what we look for in our investments is a balanced cap table that has both local experts um, and experienced search fund investors that have the, like a goal pattern recognition, um, as well as uh, investors from the, the professional lives of the searchers. So we want to see uh, investors in each of those uh, three categories. The third, unique assets, um, this has been covered quite a bit um, by other uh, other presentations here, so I won't go into the details there. As far as good terms go, you know, we typically, the, the Stanford data showed about seven to eight times EBITDA as a typical multiple for, for acquisitions. We, globally, we see quite a bit lower than that. I think our mean's about four right now. Um, so we're seeing uh, you know, stable terms um, and, and consistently buying below market. Um, and then a final point here that's not captured is the power of diversification from an investor standpoint. So we, there's a very compelling kind of individual um, uh, profile for a searcher and for an investor who's in a single asset. But as these get combined into portfolios, the, the overall uh, benefits of diversification uh, are quite meaningful. And then finally, the, the ways investors get exposure to search. So typically, you, know, you can go direct. You can invest into a search fund yourself. Um, the advantage is there is that you have full control. You, you see the searcher. You you meet them, um, you're part of that search portfolio, you see the, you know, the monthly or quarterly updates. You, know, you can influence the direction of the search, you can advise. Uh, of course, there's no fees on that, and it's a lot of fun. So a lot of people here you know, invest in small amounts of, or small numbers of search, search funds, um, and, and part of the reason people do it is because it's a lot of fun to work with aspiring entrepreneurs um, in the search. The downside here are the, are the risks. One, it takes a lot of time. Um, you have generally a concentrated portfolio on a small number of assets, three to five typically, and you risk this, this adverse selection. So top searchers uh, you know, raise very fast the kind of the, the, the pick of the investment landscape. Um, so you want to invest direct, you need to make sure that you bring something other than capital and spend the time to find the top searchers to so make sure that you're part of these the, you know, the top search funds. Um, or you can go indirectly and invest in funds. So in this case, you know, the advantages and disadvantages are essentially flipped. Um, so you have a very diverse portfolio, which is, which is typically good. You have access to generally a wider uh, range of searchers. Uh, and you're passive, so it takes far less time. Um, disadvantages, there's a few later, of course, and you don't have control. So you're, you're diffusing your, um, uh, your investment across the, uh, the, the blind pool of, of assets that the, that the fund is investing in. What we see often and what we often advise people to ask us about is, is, is this hybrid or uh, omnivore approach. 
where you invest in a fund to get that uh, diversification of exposure to search. And then you take targeted co-investment opportunities uh, with searchers that you think you can provide additional value to. So they get you the, the, the direct fee less exposure with the diversification of a fund. Um, so that's typically what we see. So great, so it's open now just to, to open it up. We have, I know we have investors here, we have searchers here, um, and just have an open discussion or even uh, a Q and A, whatever makes sense. Yeah. I'm interested, Andrew, in I suppose some of the more unusual places you mentioned last night, a lot of Brazil, just yeah. to, you know, why and what it's like. Yeah. 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 So we, yeah, we're in some pretty uh, kind of wild spots. Our first deal was Ivory Coast, which um, was the first acquisition ever done in Africa. Um, and <laughs> uh, yeah, it was an interesting one and remains quite interesting. But yeah, we have kind of in, in Brazil, part of the reason that we actually like supporting entrepreneurs to be the first or among the first into a market is because it's very, very hard to do that. And the type of person that is able to and has the appetite to fits the search profile very well. They're very maverick, very entrepreneurial, very creative, have great local networks. They got to build the search templates essentially by scratch, build their network from scratch, understand who the right lawyers are and banks are. So we see that the person capable of doing that is also capable of being quite a tremendous searcher, typically. Um, we see quite a diversity of deals across the world. So Brazil, which we were talking about yesterday, for whatever reason, we've seen a lot of great SaaS come out of Brazil. Um, as a fund, we try to see everything. So we've seen around 330 search funds now around the world um, over the last two and a half years. Uh, a substantial growth outside of the US. Um, Australia is one of this. I mean, it's amazing to see 200 people here um, in a market that two years ago was just a couple of searchers. So there's just tremendous growth around the world. Um, and it's true in, in less known markets, more exotic markets as well. Um, so we can go deeper into kind of what we see, price, how we structure that stuff. But um, um, we're seeing compelling things in, in diverse markets around the world. Of the, I think you said you've invested 30 so far. Yeah, 35. Yeah. Uh, have any of them gone south? Have you had any learnings of ones that haven't worked out? Yeah, so everyone on our portfolio is either acquired or still searching. Uh, we had one search fund shut down, uh, and, and that search fund closed on actually in the first month of searching out of the US, which is uh, he's probably our most pedigreed searcher out of, out of Harvard and had just tremendous credentials. but. Um, I think underestimated a bit just how difficult it is to search. And that's something that we, we do see in established markets like the States. It's becoming uh, far less countercultural to raise a search fund. Um, whereas people 20 years ago thought you were nuts to not go to Goldman Sachs and to raise a search. Um, now it's, it's far cooler and far more people um, do it, but nothing about the process has gotten easier. Uh, they're less lonely. Um, so I think you know, in this particular case, just wasn't quite ready for how hard it was going to be. So the question was, how do we do our diligence on searchers? Yeah, so we, there's sort of nothing magic actually. I think, I think we spend more time up front than, than many search fund investors, partially because our the top of our funnel is much larger. Um, and we want to, you know, you know, be as honest and differentiating as we can in, in, in choosing who we invest in. Um, 
you know, we, we screen for sort of resume characteristics, you know, top schools, top funds, success within um, professional history. Uh, then we do two rounds of interviews. Um, we use a light case for one of them. So an example deal, essentially, if this came across your desk, what would you think of it? What do you like? You know, what don't you like? How much time would you spend? We find that's very helpful to kind of take a real bite out of, out of a real business. Um, and we do reference calls. Um, we sometimes pack channel with, with, with their permission to others in their network to try to make those decisions. But I got to say, you know, there's found very little correlation with, with what we uh, diligence at the search stage and the odds of finding a business. Um, you know, we're still pretty early and that may change, but it's, it's so idiosyncratic. Um, and there's so many types of owners out there and so many types of businesses that um, you know, we do our best to, to make, those, make those judgments, but um, I think there's so much luck involved uh, that's hard to be accurate. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so we, we've raised a fund behind us. Uh, we closed at uh, 26 million US dollars. Um, we closed in June. Um, so we're with the 35 search funds now, we're over half of the way deployed into the search fund. Um, of those 35, we've invested now in eight acquisitions, six from our own portfolio, and two from equity gaps. So that's search funds um, for which we weren't in the search, but we did come in at acquisition. And we invest exclusively in traditional search funds. So um, the, the, the self-funded model, the accelerator model, we, we don't invest in. Um, and, and all the information that I presented here is about traditional search. That's by far the most studied um, flavor of, of search funds, um, primarily because it's far easier to track. Uh, Self-funded searchers are uh, just less organized um, as, a, as a unit, so it's harder to know how that's performed. So we, as a fund right now, exclusively invest in traditional shirts. Any other questions or comments? Yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there's... You know, we're actually, frankly, quite agnostic about the necessity of an MBA to be successful. I think there's tremendous momentum because search was taught at top business schools. So you can't raise a search fund unless you know what it is. So it's um, we're seeing that change, the profile change and expand. We're seeing a lot of uh, older searchers, a lot more um, kind of operationally minded searchers, which we think could do extremely well. Um, so. We're, we're not dogmatic about that at all. I think in our portfolio, there's there's certainly a bias that direction, but not outside of the uh, sort of population level uh, ratios, just because there's, there's far more people who, from MBA schools who know about uh, search funds. We're seeing that change, and I, I suspect in the next five years, well, that'll be quite a bit different. Yeah. 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 I think it's there's there's certainly that. There's also different markets put different you know emphasis on MBAs. So in, in the U.S., you know most top kind of business people at least consider an MBA. Um, in a place like France, that's that's not true. So um, so our searchers in, in in France don't go that direction. Um, and learn about the model some other way. So it's, it's very uh, cultural dependent.
Okay, cool. Thank you. So as I'd expected, Andrew gave a fantastic presentation. Again, you might be worthwhile having a quick look at the website. You'll be able to download his presentation with all of the details and the charts that coincided with the audio you just listened to. He presented a great case for how search fits within the spectrum of returns and also risk in relation to everything from venture capital through to private equity. And basically described how search offers the downside protection of a private equity investment, whilst also offering some of the upside that venture capital might bring to the table. But across the board, it looks like search has demonstrated higher returns and also lower risk than both private equity and venture capital so far. So the return profile is fantastic. One of the comments that he made, which I think is well made, is the fact that there are some characteristics of search that have delivered those returns. And so it's important as we move forward as investors and searchers that we try and maintain those characteristics so that we can maintain that return profile. And one of the ones that I thought was interesting was his comment around pattern recognition. Now, the ability to identify efficiently good deals in a market whereby acquisitions are typically subject to very poor information that really comes down to a significant focus on the register, that group of investors that are backing the searcher. Now, the searcher obviously needs to continue to bring you know, a high caliber of thought and energy and grit to the table, but making sure that you've got a good mix of experience and skills and both domestic and international knowledge around the table for investors, effectively that register becoming the investment committee for any acquisition that comes through the pipe can continue to deploy that pattern recognition and continue to get to a point where we maintain those high return profiles that we're seeing from search. So I am often going to Andrew for insights when it comes to a lot of those technical details. I'm lucky enough to be co-invested with him on a couple of searches here in Australia and New Zealand. And I have no doubt that he and his partners at Ambit will continue to contribute to the thought leadership around this space. 